0: Hey everyone, welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is John White. I'm Casey McDonald. I'm Steve Reeves. And today we are sitting down to have a little discussion about the subject of fasting. Uh, This is a subject that was brought up on Casey and I's uh, Monday morning show, Coffee Time. If you haven't seen our live show, 8.30s on Monday mornings, we just sit down and have coffee and and go through scripture. And it was several weeks ago, I guess, that uh, we... Fasting came up in in the story that we were looking at, and someone said it would be really neat if you guys sat down and talked a little more about fasting. And we just felt like, hey, what a, what a great way to discuss that through a podcast. Sure. And I think that you know the the subject of fasting is one that we kind of struggle with. We don't do it a lot in the West. <laughs> uh, we it's it's more common in other parts of the world. Certainly something that that we don't do very often and so I know as a kid like I, I don't ever remember doing any kind of fasting as a church or anything like that so uh, maybe let's just start off with a general discussion like why do you think uh, here in the west at
1: least fasting is just not as common as it is in other places yeah I think a lot of it has to do with this perception that uh, fasting is somewhat somehow tied to starving yourself uh it's been very much ingrained in our society that you know you have to have uh, three solid meals a day and uh you know with with an appetizer main course and dessert kind of thing and and uh and so it's just kind of pounded into us you know from a very early age that you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day you know i don't know where that came from or (laughs) why that is but there's these you know all these sayings around food that you know for whatever reason, we've uh, we've believed that uh, it's necessary to eat so much and in, in any given day and and to not do so is is harmful to your body, harmful mm-hmm. to your health. And and so uh, this idea of fasting is has this negative shadow over it because it's like you're starving yourself. And, you know, that that's that's tied to some sort of eating disorder and uh, you don't need to be doing it's that. like some negative connotation. Oh, it? yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Steve?
2: You know I think um, th- there is there's a degree to which it's not just the the idea of fasting, but it's the idea of spiritual meditation. Uh, th- the idea of fasting is not just going without food, but it is it is the idea of using that time in a spiritual manner to reflect upon God, to pray. And those are things that we have difficulty doing in a very busy lifestyle that we lead. I think about a little book that I read many years ago um, when I was in graduate school. In fact, the the title of the book is A Little Exercise for Young Theologians. (laughs) Uh, And I think the author was Helmut Thieleke or something of that nature. But he used an illustration about a young man talking to his grandfather as his grandfather was sitting on the front porch in his chair, doing nothing. He said, Grandfather, what are you doing? And the grandfather said, I'm thinking. And the grandson said, no, Grandpa, what are you doing? As if thinking was not doing anything. And I think with regard to fasting, it is so hard for us to slow down and to take time, whether it's time during meals or whatever it would normally be, for us to just be quiet and know who God is.
0: So Steve, you're suggesting maybe our problem is more tied to busyness uh, than it is some other uh, other thing related
1: to our culture and, not, and going without food.
2: Well, I think part of it is, yes.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think that, that's very important because when it comes to fasting, it's very important to uh, try and have as limited amount of stress as possible. And to do that, it takes being still, and that is just also not part of our society. Right? Uh, just this mm. ability to just be calm and be still, uh, as the psalmist says, "Be still and know that I am God." And exactly, that's something that we are we struggle with in the West is this idea of just. Taking deep breath and just chilling.
2: Right. Well, throughout the Bible, fasting is found in connection with prayer. Mm -hmm. And you think about Jesus during the time that he fasted in the wilderness, uh, 40 days there. What was he doing? He was was praying. He was communing with his Father in heaven. Uh, Casey and I were talking about just a few minutes ago when Saul... Uh, saw uh, Jesus on the road to Damascus or was blinded, and, mm. and, and Jesus spoke to Saul. Saul went into the city there in Acts uh, chapter 9. For three days he ate nothing and he prayed. So it was always this idea of fasting was a time of prayer, a time of meditation. And that those are disciplines that are practically unheard of. In many segments of our society,
1: yeah. Oftentimes, you know, it's it's interesting as you look through the scriptures, the connection between fasting and prayer. So oftentimes, they are connected together. And you know, you you mentioned Paul there, and uh, you know, at, at right before his conversion, Saul, uh, he he ate and drank nothing for 3 days. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of goes into, you know, different types of fasting, you know, there could be this fasting where you don't have any food for that amount of time, but there's examples throughout scriptures where it's mentioned that neither is there any drink taken in. And I don't, you know, I don't know how long the human body is supposed to be able to go without any water, but uh, going three days with nothing to eat or drink—that straight up dry fast, uh, if you will—that uh, that's a pretty intense, intense fast. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, it seems like, that are kind of getting—at least in the West, anyway—that are getting into fast. It seems like water fasting is somewhat of a fad, and this idea that you know abstaining from food of any sorts, uh, but they're going to drink water during this amount yes. of time. And, uh, and you know, people can do this for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, there's there's some pretty phenomenal studies of how long people have fasted before. Uh, but most of the time, it's, you know, with, with at least water, if yes. not some sort of, you know, broth or, you know, something else to sustain them from a nutrient standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: obviously, in Matthew 4, when uh, Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, uh, it, it obviously doesn't say that he was without water. Right, right. Uh, you, exactly. you couldn't go 40 days <laughs> without water, without some type of hydration, obviously. So he was, was without the food, but uh, certainly uh, I believe he, he did have water during that time.
1: Yeah, But
0: you, know, you guys know, this is a random side note, but do you know what the world record is for fasting?
1: Or not, not fasting in a spiritual sense, but going without food?
2: Uh, no, I don't.
1: Off the top, I don't. I don't know if this is a world record, but the longest amount of time that I've heard somebody go for, and this was somebody that was extremely obese. I mean, hundreds of pounds overweight. But I want to say it was close to. It was around a year, three hundred sixty-five really? days, three hundred eighty-two, three hundred eighty-two, <laughs> three hundred eighty-two days. Uh, went from wow. four hundred
0: fifty-six pounds to one hundred eighty pounds. Wow, uh, in nineteen seventy-one. So now that may have been the when, same. Thing, when though. you start to talk about like the the physiological effect of uh, Fasting, I mean, it, it's the body is certainly capable of surviving on its own, oh, I mean, yeah. a, assuming you have a, a, you know, plenty of, of extra storage of fuel.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. So the, the, the idea of a 40 day fast, I mean, you know, that that's not that would have been very difficult, but not uh, impossible by any any physical standard. Right. Right. So let's get in. Let's get into a discussion about why. Why do people fast? What is, the, what is the purpose or the point of fasting uh, and kind of tie that into our spirituality and how that affects us? Uh, like if I decided tomorrow I'm going to fast, what would be the, the point or the purpose of that?
2: I think the idea of purification, there I think is a direct correlation between the purification of our physical bodies and the purification of our spiritual lives. And, uh, you know, it's been shown, and I'm sure Casey probably has some data on this, uh, about the the purification of the body that takes place when we go without food. Um, and in correlation to that, I think during the time of fast, it really gives us an opportunity to clear our minds, to clear our hearts, and to repent and to uh make amends in our lives uh obviously we're focused on that more i think during that time of fast than we are when uh, our lives are going through their normal routine
1: yeah that's that's for sure and there's a huge physiological change uh whenever you go through a fast uh, you know you've you mentioned this guy that had went 382 days and uh you know the just full disclosure here, I am no medical doctor. <laughs> I just have read things. No uh, Outside the Walls podcast is intended for yeah, medical that's right. purposes. That's right. Disclaimer there. It would be a <laughs> neat discussion to bring somebody in, either from a biological field or medical field, uh, and yes. discuss these things. Yes. Uh, yes. But, uh, but I do know that obviously there's a lot of physiological change that's going on. And from a purification standpoint, that's absolutely right. I mean, I know that... You know, whenever your body is without food for, uh, you know, depending on just your health overall, your body goes into something called ketosis. And, uh, you know, there's these fad diets out there called, uh, you know, the Whole30, Keto Diet, Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. The idea behind these fad diets is to get your body into that state of ketosis where it's not burning sugar or glucose, but where it's burning fat. And uh, so essentially, whenever your body gets into that and a fast is... Study-wise, the fastest way to get your body into that mm-hmm. state of ketosis. And when it starts burning that fat, it's already gone through all its glucose stores. And so it's this state of what's called autophagy, where your body is literally eating itself, mm-hmm. eating all the bad cells and cleansing it out. And it's your body's basically self maintenance way of getting out all the bad and so you talk about this purification that's is that's exactly right I mean Jesus says he was fasting for 40 days you think about Moses when he went up to the mount uh, yes. before receiving the commandments uh, there was this there's this time of fasting and there's this spiritual connection with this physiological purification that's going on and uh, you know study after study shows that these people that have fasted for multiple days have this have this sense of mental clarity that they've never experienced before and uh i think it's because it's you know it's something that can be very much tied to a spiritual exercise Um, whenever jesus was in the wilderness the first temptation was that of food you know he had been tempted for 40 Mm -hmm. days and uh -hmm. and so he's tempted with food and i think what jesus says in response to to that temptation is very enlightening to this study of fasting, and that is that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so uh, there's there's very much this spiritual connection to and, and purification of your mind and your soul uh, along with your body during this during this fast. That is you know very clarifying.
0: Yeah, and I and I love Jesus pointing out. Uh, this this idea that like, I'm focused on the words of God. I'm focused on my father and what he wants right, right now. I'm taking right. a break from the physicality of being a human here on earth. And I, I kind of like that that thought process. It's, this is something that I saw. I, I stole this. I'm, 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 I got this information from or this idea from Tim Mackey, who is a, a, the uh, guy who runs the BibleProject.org that, that yes. does all the videos and things like that. And he did a series on fasting where he talked about, you know, kind of all different aspects of fasting. But one of the things that he said that I had never really thought about in this context is we always see fasting as a spiritual exercise. And so we kind of lump it in with other things like, you know, prayer uh, and worship. And, And these are very active things that we willingly, you know, enter into and choose and they have a purpose, right? He said, but fasting, I think, has another element in that, Fasting is very much a, a spiritual response to things that are going on. And he s- started looking through different parts of Scripture because he said, you know, fasting is th- there's not like a how to, you know, fast guide in Scripture. Uh, or here's right. why you do it. Here's what's happening. Um, there's just examples of people in Scripture fasting. And so he said, let's look through those and see. Why? What? What were the circumstances surrounding that? That would have encouraged them to enter into a fast. Yeah. And so um, he looked at, at three different kind of angles where spiritual the, the people had a spiritual response to fasting. Um, the first one being Acts thirteen, uh, shortly following uh, Saul's conversion into Paul. Paul and Barnabas are getting ready to be sent out, and the church comes together for a time of prayer and fasting. He says, you see that there's this sort of, uh, they're reflecting on the potential of what's about to happen. And there's this sacred response and they just, they have this response where they pray and they fast. And it's this break from relying on physical nature, bread, water, the things that keep us alive to instead focus on the spiritual nature. And that was just the natural response for them was, we're excited, we're prayerful for them, and we're fasting as a another element of the spiritual response as opposed to just a, we're going to do this fast, everybody get together, you know, this scheduled thing. It was like this was
1: the response that the church had.
2: Right, right. Yes. It's so interesting,
1: you know, whenever we send out missionaries uh, in modern day, and we, we send them off with a good old-fashioned potluck. <laughs> <laughs> Americans have a different
0: way well, of how we
2: celebrate. We, we do a lot of things with with potlucks. Yeah, you know, some, somehow I don't think we would have the same attendance if we you know, said we're going to do the, the, the fast. Well, I, I like what you said, John, about the idea that fasting was a response, uh, and I think that ties in with the instruction of Jesus Mm -hmm. in Matthew 6 when he talked about fasting. And he said, when when you fast, you don't do it for a public show. You you are not fasting for the purpose of exalting yourself Mm -hmm. or of somehow demonstrating a deeper spirituality to others. Rather, your fasting is something that is very personal and I can see in relation to what you said how in response to whatever the, the challenge or situation may be, our response would be to fast mm. for that. Whether it is fasting in a time of sorrow or grief, fasting in time of challenge, uh, fasting in, in, in times uh, of, of even uh, – uh, Sadness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a response to things that are taking place uh, and challenges that we might be facing.
0: Right, and that yeah. forty-day fast that Jesus goes through when he's tempted at the end of that, that fast immediately follows his baptism. Sure. So it's this response to, yeah, I was baptized. I'm getting ready to start this mission. I'm going to begin that with this very sacred response where I say I'm denying food. The one thing that keeps me alive here on earth to instead rely on a spiritual thing. My father, you know, the words of my father and getting ready mentally for this mission to begin this mission, uh, uh, this ministry, excuse me, uh, to begin. I like that you brought up uh, sadness as well, because one of the other places that he points that out is in Psalm 35. It's written as Mm a as a morning for the passing of Joseph. And Israel, as a nation, comes together and fasts for seven days after Joseph dies. And so it's this deeply spiritual response to a nation mourning the loss of such a great leader. And I found that I was, I was like, I've never thought about that before, but it's not a they're not trying to glean something. it's 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 more of, this is the response that we have. To our this great leader dying, yes. is we're going to fast as a nation. We come together and, and choose to do that.
1: Yeah, and kind of on the flip side of that coin, there's the instance where David fasts mm-hmm. uh, before the death of his son uh, that you know was going to be born out of wedlock uh, to Bathsheba, and uh, he was he was mourning and fasting. Prior to the death during the illness. And then once the, once the baby died, uh, it was at that point that he broke his fast. And so uh, kind of on the flip side of mourning because of somebody's death, we also see example of uh, fasting uh, before death. In anticipation for yeah, it, huh? yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting that we've brought up several times Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what kickstarted this uh, this us wanting to talk about this. And in Matthew six verse sixteen is where Jesus is talking about this fasting. And uh, Steve, when you brought it up, you mentioned the language of when you fast, and I think it's very interesting that there's really three. Uh, three characteristics or rather uh, uh, three Christian stewardships, if you will, mentioned in Matthew chapter six. And the first one, he says, when you give Give, to the needy, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then he moves on transitions to when you pray. Uh, And then the third one in that chapter being when you fast. And so the language is very much of an expectation that these Christian stewardships, these Christian practices are going to be done. Uh, It's not of if you pray or if you give or if you fast is when you do these things and uh, and so it's it's very much something that I would like to see uh, you know more attention given to in the church at large uh, because it's it's not something that up until really I think I mean I was already an adult really before I had any Knowledge of fasting, any any attempts at practicing fasting, and uh, and so I I, th- I think that's a shame because I think there is such benefit to uh, prayer in conjunction with fasting.
2: When I was a student at Harding, back in the uh, late 1970s and early 1980s, I'll give you a clue to my age there, but uh, I can remember we frequently had a speaker on campus. Uh, whose name was Albert Lemons, who had written a book on the subject of prayer and fasting, and he conducted a prayer and fasting workshop and challenged the student body at Harding uh, to uh, engage in a time of fasting. We would do weekend fasts. But I agree, in the church, it is not something that we have discussed very prevalent, uh, very uh, with, with much prevalence. And I think perhaps the reason of that is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 about prayer, giving, fasting, is that we do not do these things to be seen of men. Uh, We're not to be giving in order that we may brag or be seen by men. He says don't let your uh, left hand know what your right hand is doing Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Uh, and you know when we pray we're not being we're not praying to be seen of men and when we're fasting we're not declaring ourselves to be spiritual superheroes so i think as a result of that we are very very cautious in the church about entering into these spiritual disciplines because we don't want to give the idea that somehow we are being spiritually boastful Do you you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I agree with that for sure. It's yeah, it's interesting, you know, with prayer, he says, go into your closet, you know, in a very in a very private secret place. Mm -hmm. And then with fasting, you know, wash your face and wash your hair. (laughs) You know, it shouldn't be obvious or really as you're going through this. Really, people shouldn't even know that you're going through it, and so yeah, it's not this external thing, but it's very much this internal thing. So yeah, that's yeah, a
2: point. and and so you know, I I don't know how how appropriate is it? Do you think for the church to um, say okay, uh, we're we're organizing a church wide <laughs> time of fasting? I mean, I can see where it would be beneficial, perhaps, to yeah. challenge people to do that, mm-hmm. but. I don't know to what extent you carry that out as somehow being boastful. Oh, yes, I'm doing this.
0: Yeah, and I I think that in Matthew six, it's Jesus' struggle with the Pharisees was very real. Oh, I mean, absolutely. All throughout the Gospels, he's struggling yeah. because they frequently miss the point. I think a lot of times when we do something like that, we we fast so infrequently that that thing makes it very special it makes it a very different it's a break from what we normally do and i you know the the times that we've done that we've come together to fast over something um it's usually a great public response to what's happening in the world of course we we did that during the coronavirus just thinking about everyone who was suffering and dealing with um you know the virus and Everyone, all the the sort of secondary consequences of that virus, and and as a church, we just said hey, we we need to come together, and we want to do something special about that. You know, we want to do that together as a response, and and very much mirroring what we see in scripture, where all of Israel come together to fast and and, and mourn or deal with something. You know, they're 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 responding in a spiritual in a physical way to a very spiritual thing, uh, and that's I, I think that's good, of course. You could you could also make it a bad thing. <laughs> the Pharisees were good at twisting those things, so yeah, I think you you definitely certain amount of caution is definitely necessary.
1: Yeah, I think that was a very powerful experience to have as a church body, mm-hmm. and um, and it wasn't something that you know uh, leadership was calling on individual members and you know checking how. You, you haven't eaten anything today, have you? We're <laughs> supposed to be fasting as a church. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that's right. where I think you would uh, go down the road of the Pharisees. But, you know, we've mentioned Acts 13, and it seems like this is a church-wide fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in verse, uh, let's see, it says in verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they uh, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so uh, it seems like it was very much a Churchwide fast. And, you know, I, I can I can understand the thinking that, well, we we are hesitant to encourage uh, public fasting amongst our members because we don't want it to be something that is seen by men. And yet we'll we'll pass the offering plate. Very right, much, very right. much, public, or we'll have you know public <laughs> prayer, and so these these other two out of three stewardships that are mentioned by Jesus in a sermon on the mount, we do in a very public way uh, on a very regular basis. Um, and well, yet, I fasting, think, we don't.
2: I think there's a reason for that. Uh, neither one of them, I think, requires the personal uh, involvement that a fast does. Now, you know, we can give. Uh, and hopefully we have the means to give. We can say a prayer, we can word a prayer, either publicly or privately, but when you talk about fasting, about denying yourself, one of the basic uh, uh, enjoyments for us. And, and that's another thing, too. In the Western world, we eat for pleasure. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true in other parts of the world where people eat out of necessity. I mean, you know, you just look at the obeseness in our society today. Food for us is far more than just energy for the body. Food for us is a pleasure. It is an enjoyment. It is, for some people, maybe a crutch, an emotional support. We have our comfort food. Oh, absolutely.
1: That's a whole genre
2: of food in America comfort food. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So – So for us, when we think about fasting, it is a very, very personal uh, thing and sacrifice in that sense for us. Well, well, let me just ask you guys this question. What if if churches challenged our people, and what if Christians were just real serious about this, not bragging about it, not being public about it, but what if— Christians and churches really took the idea of fasting seriously, and we said we are going to set aside a weekend, or even a week, whatever it may be, and we are going to pray. Now, I hear people talking constantly about our nation and how our nation has, has uh, you know, uh, drifted away from morality and christian principles and obviously we see so many things taking place in our society what difference do you think a church-wide and i'm not talking about just congregation but church-wide fast if christians really were serious do you think it would what, what difference would it make
0: i think that's huge i think it's immeasurable (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean the fact that we that we don't fast—it's like you said—it's it's a direct reflection of our culture. So it's it's almost like that would have a much deeper impact than in places where it, they do it very often. You know, I I think it's it's something that would be huge. And you talk about you know the nation sort of losing its Christian principles and things like that. That was the third thing that Tim brought up in his in his sermon series on fasting that I listened to was one of the responses was in response to sin. And so in, in 1 Samuel uh, mm-hmm. chapter 7, you see Israel again fasting as a nation after being called out for the, their sin and, and sort of turning back to God. This was their spiritual response. So maybe, maybe we need to say, like, hey, this is part of us acknowledging uh, as a nation and as individuals, too, our own personal sin And the need to respond to that the need to do something about that and do something that will clarify and help bring uh, a sense of of clarity and wisdom about moving forward not only as individuals but as a nation
2: i can't help but to feel that it would be so significant if christians would engage in that activity Mm -hmm. of prayer and Fasting. It's one thing to get up and to pray. And we often do, and I appreciate the prayers, I sincerely do, that say, Lord, you know, help us to turn back to you, help our country to turn back to you. But can you just imagine if thousands upon thousands of Christians said, We are going to set aside this time and not only are we going to pray, we're going to fast. Over the sin of our country and over the sin of our society, not just our country, but the world, I can't help but to picture that it would be huge in terms of turning things back towards the Lord.
1: Yeah, there's this there's a sense of having skin in the game. Exactly. You know, That's uh, a good,
2: good analogy. You know,
1: you, we want you to have some investment into this into this prayer, and uh, making a personal sacrifice such as that would uh, would do it. You know, that would that would have skin of the game for each individual Christian. And, you know, this, this idea of fasting for, you know, the sins of a nation, uh, that can also be seen in Ezra, uh, chapter yes. 10, verses 6 I or seven. I was 17. thinking
2: about that passage.
1: Uh, Ezra, you know, <clears throat> very much mourns and fasts uh, for, the, for the sin of the nation. And, uh, and so there is a biblical example of that, of that uh, you know, that sense of fasting for, you know, a larger group of people rather than just yourself. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I I think that another thing we need to do is to bring this into a very uh, personal level because it's not a common practice. And normally we re, we only do it, I mean, very infrequently uh, as a church altogether. But if we're going to talk about doing something more often, Steve, as you're suggesting, like that would help us. It, it's got to be something that we start to think about as a regular Christian practice, something that we've got to put into practice and maybe. Even more importantly so for us, because of our culture, because of our view on food and sort of eating for pleasure and things like that, the need to encourage uh, everyone to have this deep personal fasting uh, sort of ritual or or routine um, and the benefits of that. Because I think when you start to look at fasting, you you might think, well, 40 days without food, that's a long time. And I don't know if I can commit to that or something like that. But there's a benefit in just routinely bringing something like that in and saying, well, one day a week even or every other week or once a month. I'm just going to do this as some sort of routine, regular practice at a scheduled time. And I'm going to reap the benefits of doing that more routinely instead of making it something that everybody's got to get together and do or or making it seem like something that's got to be this astronomical, huge number of days uh, to go without food just saying, you know what, how about a day? How about taking a day and being a little hungry and disconnecting myself from the physical in
1: order to pursue the spiritual? Yeah. right. If you look at the early Christians, they very much... Did it on a routine basis. Uh, it was it was tradition for the Jews. Uh, one of you guys might know the specific days that Jews practiced fasting. I want to say it was maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, and when Jesus' disciples came along, they they started doing it on, on maybe Mondays and Fridays. I can't remember specifically, but it was two days out of the week. In fact, there's even an interaction with uh, you know Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees. You know, questioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, why don't your disciples you know fast a certain right, number of days of the week? Right. So there's this tradition. Yeah. Oh, Matthew the,
2: fifteen
1: yeah, so there's this tradition going on uh and then even into the first few centuries uh after after christ uh there was regular set days that Christians would fast, and so we've you know somewhat kind of gotten away from that uh at least in the west and uh and so you know having a having a church instituted day of fast uh that that's interesting, uh, you know we uh, maybe having a, a consistent day where we encourage the congregation to do so but it not be one of those things like we talked about earlier as far as you know calling on people making sure that they're you know uh, fulfilling yeah. their fulfilling their personal obligation as a Christian you know uh, but yeah having having just a designated day I think uh, could mean a lot.
2: Casey, I know you've done some study on this uh, uh, that, that has been quite intense. Um, And you were sharing with me recently some practical things about personal fasts. Uh, I know one of the things you mentioned to me was the best time to begin a fast, Uh, not necessarily in the morning, but rather beginning a fast in the evening. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit.
1: Okay. Well, I'll <clears> I'll start by telling a story, and this is something that I want to ask you guys as well. What is a personal experience with a fast? And so, my personal first experience with a fast was when I was in college, and we were in a class, and we were challenged to take up a a spiritual exercise. And so, I decided, well, I've I've never done fasting, so that's what I'm going to do. And so, uh, I decided. I think it was like a Saturday. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up and I'm not gonna eat anything until uh, until the next day. And so skip breakfast. Super hungry. And it's like, okay, I've only been into this for an hour so far. And I'm already <laughs> feeling like I'm going to die. And so, uh, you know, skip lunch, and it's, it's even worse. It literally feels like my stomach is eating itself. And, uh, and so, you know, the hunger would somewhat abate. You know, I'd drink some water, and that would somewhat uh, calm it down. And by that night, I mean, I could not sleep that night. I could not go to sleep at all. Uh, I maybe got a couple hours of sleep that night. Uh, I was tossing and turning. I think I probably, uh, in college, there was the, the calf, and I wanna say, as soon as it opened, I was there <laughs> breaking that fast. And uh, it was the most miserable experience uh, concerning spiritual exercises that I can ever recall in my life. And uh, and so after, after doing some more reading on it, uh, you know, if you're wanting to get into it, you know, there's a couple of different ways to fast. And one is something called intermittent fasting. In other words, where you – essentially skip a meal uh, and you go, you know, 16 to 18 hours without food. And so you eat supper that night and then you don't eat again until lunch the next day. And so you're cutting out breakfast essentially. And and you could do it the opposite of that as well. You could have breakfast and lunch and then not eat again until breakfast the next yeah. day. But uh, that kind of breaking I guess breaking your body into this idea of fasting and uh, and going trying to go 16 to 18 hours and and so doing that it's it's the same as you know exercising or lifting weights uh, conditioning um, you know as we condition our bodies for physical things uh, whether it's sports or uh, whatever else it might be uh, same goes with fasting. You know, if you just try and bust out into a week long fast or forty day fast, mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's going to be near impossible. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you condition your body and and train your body uh, with this spiritual exercise, and I think it's very much tied to what Paul was you know telling Timothy as far as uh, you know the training of our bodies. Um, you know, fasting is no different. Even though it's tied to this uh, spiritual exercise, there very much is a physical aspect to it, and you know, it's it's wise to train your body and start off small. Start off small. I like that, Casey,
0: and I, I like that you we've kind of addressed the spiritual or the uh, the physical aspect of fasting. But something I find interesting is fasting almost always in Scripture is tied with another practice. It's it's. Fasting and prayer or something of the nature. Yes. What are some things we'll kind of close with this question? Um, What are some things that if somebody says, I want to fast, I'm going to sit down and do a fast uh, for a day or two days. Right. Beyond just going without food. What are some other things that someone could do in trying to focus on the spiritual and trying to focus on having clarity and thinking about uh, maybe a specific problem or a reason why they're fasting, or if it's just a a normal routine thing for them, what are some things that they could do spiritually uh, like prayer or alongside that, that pairs very well in helping us find that clarity and helping us see what it is God wants to say to us.
2: I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, My wife's uh, youngest brother is an elder Uh, one of the congregations in North Carolina, and he was telling me several months ago they had challenged their congregation uh, to enter into a media fast Mm -hmm. where for a certain period of time they would turn off the television in their homes. They just challenged their people. They said, listen, you know, let's, let's just turn off our televisions. For whatever length of time it was let's use that time talking with our families let's use that time in prayer having family devotionals and the response was amazing he said you know once you kind of turned all of the noise off uh from uh, the the uh, internet and the uh, social media and the television how liberating that was and how refreshing that was spiritually. So there are really other types of fasts other than food fasts.
1: And that, that idea of fasting from media, if, even if you are doing a food fast, Fasting from media is a great idea (laughs) because it's mostly negative anyway. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, you
2: know, and it may even be just fasting from social media, Mm -hmm. uh, other than podcasts. Uh, There's other types of
0: media besides social media.
2: (laughs) (laughs) True, that's true. Uh, Don't don't fast from our podcast, but uh, fast after uh,
0: you listen to the podcast. There you
2: go. But. and one caveat I might add, too, going back to the physical fest for just a moment, if you are a person who, um, if you have some health concerns, mm-hmm. by all means, um, talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, before. Yeah, we're you, not offering medical advice here. At exactly. I'm just re that. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes. <laughs> don't, don't enter into uh, that
2: if you've, there's some but, reason why you but, shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I'm diabetic. And uh, I, I know a little bit about blood sugars and uh, how all of that works and the ups and the downs, the highs, the lows. And so you definitely need to take all of that into consideration. But you can do it. Uh, you just you just need to be aware of, of your body. and uh, certainly, if, you, if you're planning an extended fast of food, make sure that you are getting, the nutrition that you need in some form through some liquid of some type, juice or whatever.
1: There was a question that Steve posed. Uh, what impact do we think that fasting would have on the church at large and also the world? And there's a proverb. I don't know uh, where it originated, but there's a proverb that uh, a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world and it creates a you know hurricane on the other side of the world. Uh, This idea that, you know, just a little flap of a butterfly wing, that wind just picks up and picks up. And, you know, by the time that wind has gotten to the other side of the world, you know, it's a hurricane. And it's a very interesting proverb. But I thought of that uh, when I think about what impact could, you know, the church at large going through a time of prayer and fasting could do. And I don't know that we would necessarily ever know the impact of it, but I know that uh, it could have a huge impact, Um, you know, on parts of the world that we might not even uh, be aware of. As far as your question, John, uh, some some things to think about from a spiritual standpoint during a fast. Um, you know, we mentioned what Jesus said in the wilderness uh, when, uh, when he was tempted, man shall not live by bread alone. I think if you're wanting to enter into a time of prayer and fasting, it's a great time because you're not going to be eating. You'll be amazed at how much time you spend eating. Like, like, wow, I have so much more time. And (laughs) And if you you go into a period of prayer and fasting with either a specific Bible passage or spiritual topic that you want to study out, and in that time that you would have been eating, just spend your time in God's Word, studying out that passage, studying out that Scripture. That can really help you. from a physical aspect, you know, just you know, taking your mind off your off your stomach and focusing your mind on God's word, which I think is ultimately the point—to uh, to focus on God—that uh, can be a, a practical yet spiritual way to get us through fasting and actually have a you know spiritual beneficial outcome from a fast. Mm-hmm. I, I was,
2: have I have known people who, in their fasting, have prayed for specific countries. Uh, utilizing, uh, you know, a fasting by uh, not eating lunch or dinner or breakfast or whatever, but uh, utilizing that time they normally would have eaten that meal to pray over a specific country um, or to, you know, to pray for a specific need. Um, yeah.
0: Something I was going to say is uh, to go hand in hand with scripture is also a focus on writing. It's something else that we don't do a ton of uh, in our world today, besides typing out on a computer and on social media. Or thumbs
1: with the cell phone. Yeah, so if you're gonna
0: gonna put that uh, social media side too, something that you might do while you fast and pray is do a little bit of writing and reflection on uh, what are you kind of realizing as you go through this experience? And what are some questions maybe that you have about life, your future, or or something that you you have on your mind, or or someone that you're concerned about, just taking the time uh, in the middle of that to read scripture, and then reflect on that, and write a little bit about uh, what what is that scripture saying to you, or what you know, what do you kind of see uh, God pointing you towards, and and how do you feel about whatever it is that you're thinking on as you fast, uh, or the purpose for your fast, whatever has prompted you to to go into that, and Taking some reflections and writing out some prayers and, and thinking about uh, these different things, I think writing is something that can be deeply tied to that. And, and you don't have to have your phone to be able to do right. that, right? If yeah. you're going to break from the media, you can sit down yeah. and, and grab grab the. At my house, you'd have to you'd have to look pretty far to find the lined paper, but <laughs> I, I could find some somewhere,
1: I'm sure, and and do a little bit of writing. Yeah, it's interesting to see studies <laughs> of the the psychological connection with pen to paper and uh, the the difference that it has on brain waves when you're actually writing something down as opposed to typing it and so it's deeply
2: that, personal yeah deeply personal for years I have kept a journal uh, I would say for 40 years almost I have kept a journal and uh, I still I keep them I've got them in a box in my office and uh, uh, it's it's more difficult for me now due to my eyesight because I have a hard time seeing lines on paper, and uh, but there is something about putting pen to paper that is deeply personal and very to me it has been very very rewarding.
1: Something else that you could do if you're embarking on a fast and connecting it with prayer is you know there's there's maybe a misconception that during a fast you need to uh, not have any physical activity because you're not taking in food, which is our energy source. But that's really not the case at all. I mean, I mentioned earlier that you still have a fuel source. It's just no longer sugar. It's mm. you know, your, fat, your body's burning fat. And so you can still be physically active. And so – out and take a walk in nature while you're yeah. praying to God. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you don't have to just sit around on your couch. I mean, get outside in God's nature and, and talk to
2: him. Great idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Get out on the Cersei uh, the bike trails really nice and pretty this time of year. It is. So lots of walking to do, lots of wildlife to see. Yeah. So yeah. get out and uh, get out into nature. Yeah. What a great connection. Well uh, I think that just about wraps up our discussion on fasting. Uh, we're glad that you guys chose to join us today and hopefully this will prompt you to to participate in a spiritual exercise that's a a little I wouldn't say unknown but underutilized within Western culture. Uh, I would encourage you deeply to to pick up a, a routine for fasting um, certainly you know taking into account medical things as well uh, but definitely th- there's some benefit to fasting on a regular basis and using that as the context for the spiritual response to the things that are
1: going on in our lives and you know getting a book uh steve mentioned one that was written i think i actually have a copy of it uh yeah albert lemons is fasting for today it looks like a really old book steve it is a really old book. But it has, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's timeless application. Uh, uh. And it has, you know, it connects the spiritual with the physical. Um, and so, yeah, getting a book like that and just... Maybe introducing yourself to the topic uh, through the practice, because like John mentioned earlier, you know, there's examples throughout the scriptures, but there's not really a guidebook on how to do it, what to expect. And so uh, even getting a book, something like this, and there's, Hmm. you know, a ton of books being written right now on the topic of fasting. But, um, you know, don't be ashamed in, you know, getting some sort of guidebook uh, such as
2: that.
0: I'll tell you the age of this book. He's got an (laughs) acknowledgement for his typist. So that'll tell you. But you know what? There's what's a lot the, of there's a lot copyright of, on it? I say a copy? I think it's 1970s. Yeah. Well,
2: see that that'd be about right. Uh,
0: <laughs> but Albert Lemons, I'm sure you could grab a copy of this somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, and there's lots of lots of uh, literature about fasting if you wanted to get into that. But uh, whatever it is you do, just just start out trying something, even if it's just one meal, and being willing to dedicate a little focus on on the spiritual yeah. instead of the physical. Uh, I think you'll find great benefit for that. If we've prompted any questions today and you'd love for us to dig a little deeper into those, you can always email us at questions at WS uh, And we would love to talk with those about you. We're, we're, uh, um, Getting ready for the next couple of episodes, we've got several guests lined up, so if you appreciate having our guests on our show, uh, look forward to the next couple of episodes. Uh, we'll have some great guests coming in, but uh, as always, this has been Outside the Walls, and we love you guys.
2: Thank you for being with us.